Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Greer Amps Pedals. Uh, they are releasing their 18th anniversary Black Fuzz. Uh, I don't know the full story behind it, but I'm assuming that it is a fuzz pedal that they used to make in their early years, and now they're re-releasing it. It's a one-knobber. It looks really cool. The, uh, the one-knob controls volume, and the fuzz effect is 100% on with no tone control, no bias control, none of this fancy pants stuff that you see on all the fuzzes these days. This is old school. It's supposed to sound really great. Uh, it looks really cool. Uh, go look them up, greeramps.com, I'm sure. Is that the website, you think? I believe so. Why not? Go check them out. Uh, they're a friend of the show. We like their stuff. They make all kinds of really neat pedals that I've been seeing show up on people's boards. And uh, big thanks for sponsoring the show, guys. This episode is also sponsored by Ian A Guitars. Uh, Ian Anderson does custom guitar and pickup manufacturing, restoration, repairs, and related services. Um, I feel like that kind of like undersells what he does because what he, uh, the way he describes himself, uh, we've talked to him in person a few times. Oh yeah, um, is basically he tries to build guitars uh, in a way that like meets or exceeds like vintage style standards. Yeah. So he makes these guitars that are like effectively like reproduction Gibsons, but he's making them better than like current production Gibson. Right. And not in like a snarky, like, oh, oh, that's not very hard sort yeah. of way. Like these are very high end instruments. He makes a beautiful flying V. He makes a oh, guitar man. that's kind of like this hybrid, uh, Telecaster, Les Paul looking thing. Yeah. That thing is wild. Like, it's all just nuts. And like, like I said, he's in a lot of these cases, he's winding his own pickups. Yeah. He's just doing, he's like, doing the whole thing. Very much scratch build. He's like, if you're, if you're in the market for, uh, something that plays like, uh, the vintage real deal and maybe even better, Ian Anderson's the guy to hit up his flying V's man. He nails what I love about flying V's, uh, that whole like Albert King kind of flying V that body style instead of the newer body style that's like tapered all the way to the neck. Right. I'm a big fan. So yeah. when you, I saw him posting his flying V's, I was like, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. You can uh, find him on his website, iaguitars.com or look him up on Facebook, Ian A Guitars. There you go. Yep. Everybody, this is Axel Rose. Thanks for tuning in to 60 Cycle Hum. We love it. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve. And you're listening to this program. Yeah, we we already uh, found out about it. When are we going to stop referencing uh, that there's a, an intro being read by a famous person? I don't know. I was just going to let it go. You're the one who's bringing I it know. up. I'm questioning my own misstep here. We don't rehearse these Way things. Way to screw it up, Ryan. This is us just shooting from the hip. Here we go. All right, Ryan. New what's episode. What's one, new? 122. 120. Oh, yeah. It's 122. <laughs> it's, the, it's the episode 122. Uh, what's new with you, Steve? Nothing. You got nothing new? I don't have anything Well, okay. Well, then new. ask me what's new. I just did. Did I you? I said, hey, Ryan, what's new? And then you start kept going on about... Like some other nonsense. I'm too hyped up, I guess. So what's new with me is that from someone on the group, I can't remember who, but recently I just learned of the uh, our new reverb pedal. It's not even new. It's been out for a while, and I didn't even know about it. The Subdecay Spring Theory. Actually, the yeah. Super Spring Theory. Oh, they it's had, super, huh? They had a two-knob version before, and now they've got this four-knob version with mm-hmm. multiple switches on it. Uh, it does all kind of drippy stuff. And you know I got to check that out. So I bid on one on eBay. Right. And I was highest bidder. I won. So how's that working out for you? Uh, it's working out pretty good. I'm really liking the sound of it. I haven't uh, A-B'd it against my other go-to reverb pedals yet. But it definitely, definitely has that surfy drip. Cool. So I'm going to do some kind of reverb shootout uh, demo with it soon. Reverb shootout number three. Exactly. This Those- time make it so it's a little easier to follow what pedals. Yeah, well, the, before I just did an audio recording, and then I put up the photo. Oh. So uh, this time I'll probably definitely do a video instead. I actually didn't realize that that's what that comment was referring to. Right. I didn't have uh, as much of a video rig back then. Oh, that's right, because we were doing it on air. Yeah, well, we did one on air, and then I did the other one, just me. Oh, okay. And I didn't have the video rig that I have now, so uh, 
I can kind of revisit this topic. I'm wondering if I should borrow a Flint to get that in the mix. You know at least two people that own Flint. Yeah, locally. Yeah. I know Nate, and I'm sure Daniel has one. Those were the two people I was okay. thinking of. I was like, am I forgetting someone? <laughs> I wonder if <laughs> Paul owns one. I kind of, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he owns a Flint. I might be, you might be surprised though. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll get a Flint in there. Uh, the one that, that I demoed, I never got around to doing a reverb shootout with it. And that went out to uh, the winner of the Flint. Who won that thing? Wasn't it Isaac? Isaac Vining. Isaac Vining won it. Do we have any new uh, Inner Circle members or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. Oh no, Steve. We're going to be broke. That's not how it works. But oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to support the show, you can pledge to us. Just uh, go to 60cyclehumcast.com. Click on the link that says support the show. All the information's there. Exactly. Let, let us not bore you. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Uh, there's ways to give us money, and we appreciate it. Um, should we get into ads, or is there anything else we want to talk about? There's nothing else I want to talk about. <laughs> Steve only wants to talk about ads. ads. All right. I'm starting up... The old Google Drive machine. Oh, well, here's an ad I found today. Dean, Dime O Flame, Dime Bags in your guitar and gig bag, $400. You know, I saw this on Craigslist and I said, 26 Dean. Happy 26 Dean. Happy Steve. 2016. I we- haven't been keeping count of the Deans that we have covered this year. But I have a feeling we're going to eclipse 26. I hope so. We're going to have way more than 26, I'm sure. Even if we're not talking about them on the show... 2016 is alive and well on the Facebook group. Yes, yes. Uh, but I think we should talk about them more. Yes. Nice axe with a killer paint job. This is the real deal that retails for $13.75 and sells for $5.99 plus tax at Guitar Center. Actually paid $7.99 for it in 2008. So this model is from before whatever changes were made to make it cheaper. It's in excellent condition aside from two small dings on the top edge of the body. Last picture. It's got... Good, it's got good action and stays in tune even after explosive dive bombs, whammy included. I'm throwing in the Dean gig bag that I picked up for like $90 and two new sets of GHS Boomer TNTs since that's the string gauge that the bridge is tensioned up for. Um, are boomers are boomer TNTs only sold in one string gauge? I have no idea. This sounds like this guy had a midlife crisis near Guitar Center. Uh, and got this stuff. I have never understood the attraction to Dimebag Daryl stuff. Like, I could understand the attraction to star-shaped guitars, but, like, the specific, like, photographic, like, flame, electricity, yeah, you know, like, weird art things on the Dimebag stuff, I don't get why people are into that. I don't get how this could have started out as a $1,400 guitar. I, I believe that this body shape could be made to be a $1,400 guitar. You can do that with sure, anything. Sure, sure. Uh, I so don't understand like the photo, because this isn't painted on there. This is like a photo placement, right? photo finish of flames, and it just looks kind of tacky and stupid. Yeah, they made a bunch of these different like Dymo flame and Dymo, like the original dime bag finish was like a, the lightning bolt one. Right. Um, I mean, and yeah, totally like the Dean ML shape. This yeah. is like... You can do anything you want with it. You could definitely make, like, if you made this with mahogany back and a figured maple top, like, right. you've got a 1400 guitar. You could make any guitar shape a premium guitar. But the thing is, this doesn't look like a premium guitar. And it doesn't look like a $1,400 guitar. No. Even. If, well, you, if you consider things way beyond that to be the premium guitar. That's guitars. because this thing retails for $1,375. But what music store sells anything for $1,375? He's talking about MSRP. Exactly. Yeah. The manufacturer suggested retail price is like, it's just a number that like. It, they just pull it out of a nowhere. It, now that, now that like the whole era of non-competes is kind of over. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is Fender is selling guitars. Right. On their own website. Right. Um, MSRP. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like when you go buy a car. And it says, oh, manufacturer's just a retail price on this. like, And you kind of got to like try to weasel your way down or get whatever rebates they have going or whatever to get a lower price. Uh-huh. You know, uh, like that's one thing. But like when almost every store right. sells for the minimum advertised price, 
then at that point, the manufacturer suggests retail price doesn't mean anything. It's like how- Especially when even the manufacturer doesn't sell at their own suggested retail price. They sell it at MAP. It's like how Bed Bath & Beyond sends you those 20% coupons like every single day. Every day we could get a new one. And you go in there and if you don't have the coupon, you're like, well, I can't buy this today. Yeah. I don't have the coupon. Everything in here is supposed to be 20% off and it's not. Like it's like no one's going to pay. It, only a fool pays MSRP. Well, Kohl's is uh, getting, is, there's a class action lawsuit in the work against Kohl's. Oh, yeah. Over like basically, uh, basically what it comes down to is like their stuff is always on sale. Which is to say, like, it's never on sale. Right. But someone is trying to sue them, or actually, like I said, it's class action. So a lot of people, including me, uh, are in the process of suing Kohl's. Oh, you jumped uh, in on that? Yeah, heck yeah, man. All I had to do was put my name down. You want that $8 check? Uh, exactly. $8 <laughs> gift card. Um, but, like, their whole thing is that, and you know what? Guitar Center does it. Like, yeah. a lot of music stores do it, you know, where um, the. Levi's says that their pants are worth like 50 bucks. Right. Kohl's never sells it for more than like 35 bucks. But then when they put them on sale, they put them on sale for like 31 bucks and say that it's 40% off because the suggested price was 50 bucks. Yeah. Guitar Center does the same thing. Every time Guitar Center has a sale, they say, oh, Squire Bullet, $99. You know, that's save fifty percent for manufacturer suggested retail price. No but one it's buys like, a bullet for two hundred. Yeah, the bullets, even when the bullet's not on sale, it's like a hundred and ten bucks. Like, yeah, you're you're saving ten bucks or whatever, uh-huh. but you're not saving fifty percent. Like, maybe you're saving ten percent. Yeah, like that's a standard practice. I actually think the Coles lawsuit is going to fail because. Right. It seems like standard practice. It's to like me. common retail but practice. Yeah. I can also see like Cole saying, Hey, you know what? Like, we just don't want to deal with this. Here's your $8 million. Right. Just divvy it up among the so hundreds is this of person? Is this a, I don't want to linger on this any longer after I say this. But is this a person who's like, Oh, they said 40% off, but it wasn't 40% off their usual price. So I want money. Yeah. I guess. I, I mean, basically, it's such a, such a weak angle. Well, what what the angle is is that it's it's a deceptive advertising practice. Okay, okay. So that's where it becomes class action because it, they're saying that Coles is actively trying to deceive. Let's get back to talking about this guitar. Pro- pro- I just don't understand the fandom that comes around Dimebag Daryl stuff. I'm just gonna say, put that out there. Like I don't understand why there's such a huge market for this that so many people want. Dimebag Daryl licensed guitar. Like I understand p- tons of people love his music and it's kind of like a lifestyle brand at this point. Sure. But I mean, come on, like don't, I don't, maybe he would, but if I don't think Dimebag would want everyone to look just like him and play. The they were making guitar. these guitars when he was alive. I know, but he, I don't think he would be like, Oh, everyone needs this. I don't know. It seems weird to me, but he, I mean, Right, but they really ramped it up after he died. Like, sure, really. But I, I want to say, like, even before he died, they were like in the works to just make a dime, like its a brand. own brand. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> I Maybe mean, someone on the group can explain to me why Dimebag Daryl well, is so well, great that everyone needs a dime. Like, you don't see you don't see this much guitars for like Eddie Van Halen stuff, right? You don't see this many guitars for Jimi Hendrix stuff. It's like complete saturation of the market with uh, with Dimebag stuff. And it's, it's really weird. interesting, too, because, you know, the thing that I hear so often about Pantera or um, I forget what the other project he was in before he died. Uh, I forget what it was called. Damage Control, maybe? Like damage that. Plan. I think okay. it was Damage Plan. I don't know. Um Anyway, he uh, basically the thing that I've heard for years is, oh, dude, best guitarist ever, worst tone. <laughs> oh, man. So it's like, so you think this guy has the worst tone, but you want his but guitar. But you want his guitar. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, All right, let's move on. I don't have anything else to say about this other than I think it's ugly. And if you want a star shaped guitar, get something else. <laughs> Uh okay, the Godin. Let's find the Godin. I believe it's Godin. Is G O D I N? I don't yeah, know. It's, it's Godin. It's French. Is it French? Yeah, it's a French, Cana- Cana- French Canadian thing. Ca- Canadian company. 
Okay, so uh, Godin or Godan Dorchester with Bigsby, six hundred dollars. I'll read the description for sale. Godin Dorchester with Bigsby, almost new. Still have plastic on pit guard. Six hundred dollars includes original hard shell case, lace alumitone humbucker pickups, made in Canada. I just wanted to talk about this because I like it. I like the look of this. We've talked about Godin's before. They're an uncommon brand that makes really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the acoustic brand they're connected to? Siegel. Siegel, that's right. And also Siegel, Art and Luthery, and uh, Simon Patrick. Yeah. So this thing has a lot of stuff that I like. It's a big nod to like a Moserite style design with that German carve all around. But then it's got more of like a, a horns thing going on with the sharp ends. So it's kind of like somewhere in between an SG and an, a Moserite. Then it's got the Moserite style bridge on it mm-hmm. and a Bigsby. And it just, it looks cool. It's cream with a black pickguard, real surfy looking. I don't know anything about Alumatone pickups. I know they look really like Art Deco and some kind of crazy technology there from Lace. Uh, but their humbuckers basically could put, put anything there, really. Yeah. So for 600 bucks, this thing looks really great. It's very much like a high flyer yeah, exactly. kind of a thing going on. Uh-huh. Now I'm reading all the stuff that says that I'm wrong and that it's not Godin, that it is Godin. That's what I thought, man. Godin, because Godin is like a is a is a Godzilla monster. And that's it, spelled with an A. No, that's Ro, I thought that was Road. Ro, is it? Yeah. Well, still, similar spelling. It's gotta be Godin for sure. I just like it. I got nothing else to say about it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, these Steve? are really cool. Um I mean, I don't know. Oh, great. Steve is on pronouncing.com. Oh my gosh. Gooden? Gooden. Okay, forget it. Forget it. That's, this is right that's out. That's too Canadian for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. It's. Uh, they've been doing this thing that's kind of interesting to me where they're kind of like throwing out these vintage-esque kind of body styles. Uh-huh. And it's a departure for them because for a while, well, the radiator had a real vintage-y thing going on. But it was like a alternate history yeah, like yeah. Thing. Um, it, well, I felt like the radiator kind of fit in with like the Tallman, like the Ibanez Tallman right. kind of thing. Where it it's was like, like somewhere between a Tallman and a Dan Electro. Right, exactly. Um, but then they are also, they made like the LG stuff, which yeah. were basically like Les Paul meets Telecaster, but doesn't really look like either. Uh-huh. Um, they've got like... They've always done stuff that was really funky, but this is moving more in a direction of like classic funky. Yeah. And I feel like they've got a couple others that are kind of in this shape. Um, they've done, they brought out like the fifth Avenue stuff, which is like their arch top series. Uh huh. Um, so they've just got a, a few different things. Um, but for 600 bucks, I bet this thing's great. Yeah. I bet it's a totally great playing surfy sounding guitar. Uh, I don't know what those pickups sound like, but you could always swap them if you don't like them. They're supposed to be pretty nice. They're, I mean, they're made by Lace. Right. Well, um, my wonder, my my question is, or my wondering, what I don't know how, how I was going to say that. It sounds so weird. What's your my, wondering, right? What is my wondering? Uh, <laughs> uh, do, are they going to sound vintage? Are they going to sound modern? Like, I don't, I just don't know what to expect from them, you know? Sure. Are they going to sound like completely their own thing? Like, I don't know. It looks like they might not even make these anymore. That makes me want it even more. That's interesting. I wonder why they don't make them. Or maybe I just can't find them. It, the answer is always uh, because they didn't sell. <laughs> it, it actually, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> that's what That was Bob Taylor's answer when I asked him right, why right. He, they discontinued the electrics. I mean, they've got a couple of guitars that have like a very Starla-esque shape to them, the PRS Starla. Uh-huh. Um, I guess they're all kind of traditionally fun- back to like the traditionally f- Godin funky shapes. Right, right. Uh, man, I really wish they'd remake the Radiator. You can still buy them. They're freaking hard. they f- expensive now? They're, yeah, you can't find them. They, under, had those, like, they had those awesome toaster pickups in them. The early ones, yeah. yeah. The later ones had different pickups. Um, you know what we're not doing right now? What, talking about this ad? Isn't we're not drinking that beer that that Luke Monday gave us. Well, whose fault is that? It's my fault. Should I go get it? Maybe. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to pause and go get oh. it. All right. Sorry to change gears on the podcast here real quick, but uh, 
a neat thing that happened the other night is that Luke Mundy was in town. And we've tried to do this before with him, right? And it just didn't work out. Yeah. He was in town and wanted to hang out. And so we got some people together and we went to a local restaurant bar sort of situation and had some beers and some food and just hung out. And he brought us this beer that's got some kind of fancy wax dipped top on it. I don't know anything about this thing. Uh, this is from uh, Tioga Sequoia or Tioga Sequoia rather. It's their Mocha Midnight Bourbon Barrel Aged Cocoa Vanilla Coffee Imperial Stout. Oh, man. Uh, he sent us stuff uh, from uh, Tioga Sequoia before right. that package that we got from him and uh, Jeremy Tuttle and Tim Tim Balint. Balint? 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 He, he was saying that we say his name wrong, and I can't remember the wrong way or the right way. Yeah. Now. So sorry, Tim Balint or Balint. Uh, we're ruining your name, and I'm sorry. So he's going to pour this thing and we'll, we'll drink I'm not it. That sorry. And then we'll move on to the next ad. <laughs> Whoa, it's dark. That's real dark. I think that's. Yeah, that's fine. Somewhere close. Uh, you want to hand me that other glass? You can reach it. This is like so interesting. I know. People are just loving listening it's to this. It's coming out black. The wax actually makes it like a lot easier to pour, it seems like. You think so? Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Here. Yeah, that's me. Let's try it. And then we'll be drinking this while we talk about the next ad. Because we're done with that Godin, right? Yep. Oh, I can smell it. It smells like... Oh, it's... It smells like just like wet coffee. Like coffee grinds, you know? It smells like my dad's coffee breath. Interesting. Oh, wow. That's some thick stuff, man. Yeah, it's got a lot going on. What's the percentage on that thing? I don't know. 13.7. Damn. No big deal. Just another day at the ballpark. Yeah, no big deal compared to last time. <laughs> Let's not do that again. Let's not get that tipsy for recording again. I was great. You loved it. Okay. Um, I uh, it yeah, this, me a little this bit. is really good. I yeah, you were kind of off last time. I don't know. I don't know. What was yeah, off. it was rough on me. Um, but this is really good. Yeah, this uh, is good stuff. I think the barrel age takes it next level. It's a treat. I feel like if Zumbar was barrel aged, it would kind of be like this. This is pushing farther into the coffee territory and the chocolate yeah. territory for sure. Yeah. Uh, Zumbar is more uh, subtle than this. But, yeah, but this is really good. Yeah. This I, is really I drink this. It's like drinking. A, I drink this like every other. It's like drinking week. A, a chocolate bar that has coffee grounds in it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next ad. Let's not get sidetracked too far. But a big thanks to. to uh, to Luke Monday for coming out. It was a lot of fun. We got to hang Luke out. Luke Monday? <laughs> Monday? All right. All right. Know. Big thanks to Luke for coming out and everyone else who hang out. David Chode hang out, hung out with us. Yeah. Uh, uh, Co, the Co, ad wizard. Uh, Josh Cass. Um, I think that was... Oh, Josh's friend Joe that we yeah. never met before. Uh, who else was there? Was that it? If we're forgetting something. Tyak was there. No, he wasn't. Uh, Aaron Abubo was there. No. Like, pretty much everyone in San Diego was there. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just a big blast getting to hang out with some local listeners. Yeah. And one non-local listener. And everyone was fighting as hard as they could to get Luke to go to their favorite taco shop. Oh like, my gosh. No, no, no. Don't go to ridiculous. that one. Don't go to that one. Go to this one. No, yeah. no, no, no. Go to this one. It's my favorite. Like, it's like... He's only he's only here for one more day, guys. Like he's not going to be able to make it yeah. happen. <laughs> he must have had like twenty restaurants. Oh, yeah. suggested to him, and he's like, I only have like three more meals. And he's got his family with him. Like, yeah. He's not going to drag people to his family to every single you know random taco shop. But that's, let's tackle that's what life in San Diego is like. Let's stop. Let's stop talking about tacos. All right, I'm going to let you do this ad because this I don't really know anything about this. You don't know anything about this? I mean, I well, this is an do, advertisement but... for Kazoo. Uh, by that was it's well it's he, I'll just read it. Beet Farmers Kazoo, one hundred and seventy five dollars. Beet Farmers local San Diego band memorabilia, framed in covered framed signed album kazoo tickets and stubs t shirt nice collection new frame. I will always miss Country Dick Montana, great local band. So this is, I mean I'm not gonna buy this, but. We usually kind of trash talk memorabilia stuff, things that are signed, right? Uh, stuff like that. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Beat Farmers, you're going to be because I'm going to play one of their songs at the end of the show. Uh, but they're a local band, 
And uh, Country Dick Montana, the, the lead singer, from what I understand, he's actually like a really well-known, well-respected force in like the country community. I don't know how if that's true or not, but I've heard that before. Right. But he had this band that I guess you could consider novelty. Mm-hmm. But he had this like super deep, intense, heavy voice. What would you say was like their biggest song? Did they have yeah, a big I don't song? Know. They had a song that would get played on the radio all the time. I can't remember it right now. Uh, the song that always pops in my head when I think of Country Dick Montana is uh, uh, King of the Hobos. Oh, hmm. Lakeside Trailer Park. Have you heard that song? I don't know. I don't so think he's got so. he's got this song called Lakeside Trailer Park. Okay, and I think that was like his national hit or whatever on the uh, on the novelty charts, the country novelty charts. Right, and it's all about living in a lakeside trailer park, which to the rest of the country means a trailer park on a lake. But if you live in San Diego, you know that lakes. And here we go into geography. If you live in mm. San Diego, you know that Lakeside is a specific. Uh, town or small city that has a lot of trailer parks and doesn't ha- really have much of a lake going on. So it's like it paints a different picture for your local, but he's kind of a hometown hero sort of deal. And there's a lot of cool stuff in this framed situation. There's a really funny shirt with two dogs having sex and it says the Beat Farmers. <laughs> there's ticket stubs. There's a, a kazoo, which I'm assuming is an official Beat Farmers kazoo. And there's an album. Which is really cool because I've never been able to find a physical Beat Farmers album. Right. And I'd really I'd really love to have that. I'm not $175, love to have it. But the rest of this stuff, ticket stubs, VIP passes and stuff like that, those are personal items. Like those aren't yeah. gonna have value to people. It's always a funny thing with like things like ticket stubs is unless you went to the show, like they it don't doesn't mean anything. They don't have any value to you. Like I've actually I think I have every any show where I actually like got a ticket. Uh huh. I think I still have the stub. Really? Um, yeah, I've wanted Jeez, to like. Uh, I've wanted to like ca- actually catalog them all. And I'm talking about like going back to like I have baseball tickets from like 1990. Damn, dude. I've wanted to catalog it all, but those are things that are like cool because there are things that even if I don't remember going, uh-huh. like there are things that I know I did. Like there's proof that I did this thing, even if I was like a little kid when I did it. Whereas, like getting a random ticket stub from like. Some show that I didn't go to, like, uh huh. Hey, look, I got this ticket stub for Billy Joel at Peco Park. Oh yeah, I was at I was at that show. Oh cool. No, I just have this ticket stub. Yeah, like I bought it on eBay. Yeah, yeah. Like who cares? But I think this is a neat collection of like local memorabilia. I'm sure there's someone out here there who has fond memories of the Beat Farmers and Country Dick Montana who might pick this up. Uh, a lot of local music shops have stuff from them around, like. Freedom Guitars has a Beat Farmer's drum in there, like a drum kit that's up on a shelf. Uh, I think I've seen stuff at Moonlight Music from the Beat Farmers. Like, I think they kind of, they were just real, like, like I said, hometown heroes. Yeah. And spread their stuff around. They kind of seem like, I mean, I think they, like, you know, traveled in the same territory as the Rugburns, you know? Right. Another local. we We have a few of these, like, local, like, people might know them sort of right. outside of the area but yeah like the beat farmers the rug burns um and of course from the rug burns you get steve poltz uh-huh which means like technically jules san diegan i guess <laughs> yeah um, and then you've got like you know going going back to the 80s again you've got like mojo nixon yeah yeah who you know we have a bizarrely strong novelty band pedigree here yeah. in san diego yeah Mojo Nixon. I heard if you don't got, I heard if you go to a record store and they don't have Mojo Nixon, then that record store needs some fixing. Absolutely, it needs some fixing. That's a song reference for a completely different band. Pop culture reference. Yeah, pop culture reference. Congrats. So I just thought it would be fun to talk about this. Maybe people who listen to the show aren't familiar with them. I don't know how popular these guys were outside of San Diego. But I was always under the impression that they were a touring act that was more famous elsewhere. Yeah, apparently some of their songs are still played by like radio stations on the East Coast for bumper music and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, like in my head, there's a couple really specific Beat Farmer songs that I feel like I've, I should know. Right. But then I look through like just the song titles and nothing looks familiar. Sure. So I'm, 
I mean, maybe I've heard those songs and I just don't know them by name. I just, but if I heard them and you said like, oh, this is, yeah, the, the I think I'm going to play, like, oh, yeah. I think I'm going to play Lakeside Trailer Park because that's the big one. Uh, and then maybe I'll sneak uh, King of the Hobos in there just because I love it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for ads. We want to uh, tackle this topic. Let's hit this topic. This okay. topic was sent in by Ryan Burke. Uh, <laughs> I think this was a shower thought that I had. Let me Gross. Pull, let me pull it back up. Uh, there's a subreddit that I follow called Shower Thoughts, and it's thoughts that you have in the shower that may or may not be deep to you at the time or might be interesting. So my thought was that we could talk about what would first-year guitar player you and me think if they were able to witness current you and me playing our instruments like this isn't a right. gear topic this is oh well, we can talk about our gear too but this is more like a playing level mm-hmm. like let's think back on how we were and what our goals were and what we've achieved you know do you think that's an interesting topic sure sure um i think we could go back and forth with this for a while yeah uh, i will just open up and say um like not open up my soul but like right, just to right. open up the topic um I I I I think the first year musician me would be like, dude, you've been doing this for like <laughs> seventeen years. Why do you still suck? Why are you still doing this? Yeah. Why aren't you good yet? Because in a lot of ways, like I don't feel like I'm better than like second, maybe better than first year me. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm a lot better than like third year me. I feel I don't want you to take this the wrong way, and I don't want your feelings to be hurt. But I feel like you've had it. Like a like a you're on the back end of a bell curve right now. Like I feel like you used to be a lot better. Do you feel well, that? It way? depends on what I'm playing. That's I true. think I used to be better at bass. Um I think I'm better at guitar now than I used to be. Okay. Um I think I think you used to just be uh a more I think you used to be slighter slightly tighter and more mindful of what you were doing. On guitar? On both. Just as a general musician. Yeah, maybe. But I was also playing a lot more. I'm also just like pulling this out of my butt. I have never, <laughs> I've never thought about this before. So. Um, there are definitely, th- I'll say there's definitely things that I do Maybe now. Maybe I was just more impressed with you back in the day. That's probably, <laughs> that's probably more likely. Um, I think there, there are definitely things that I do now that I used to not be able to do. Sure. But then, you know, having... Ah, my pedal board's been huge for a while. I'm just yeah. saying like, oh, it's all these effects. But You're on the back end of the bell curve with that too. <laughs> Which side is the back end? Is that uh, the, the, going, that... the going away from the peak? In the up direction or the down You're direction? You're going down. But am I going forward down or backwards down? You're going forwards down. That's good, right? I don't know. I think that's... I mean, it, uh, what I mean is that you're 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 in a decrease. You hit a peak and you're behind the peak. You know, bell curve just like the peak of the bell curve is average. Right, I'm using a completely wrong metaphor here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why I'm like. So am I getting like? Am I reaching my right? Like the one percent, like the ninety nine percent quality, or am I right. tr- backwards trending towards like? So I I think if if first year guitarist Ryan could see me playing now, I think first of all he'd probably be impressed how much I'm using my pinky. <laughs> that's like the main thing. Like, wow, he's really figured out how to get his pinky in there. Because I remember being frustrated about that and watching other people play and be like, oh man, they're using their pinky. I can't even get that thing to like uncurl when I'm playing. It's just like a dead limb, <laughs> you know? Right. And now I, I was, this is probably why I had this thought. I was playing the other day and I was like, I'm just using my pinky all the time and not even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I say, oh, I peaked as a guitarist, like, at my third year. Right. Um, But there's definitely, I think it's not so much even that I peaked, it's that my growth rate went from exponential to linear. Sure. around, like, the third or fourth year. Well, you have that, that initial explosion of skill and discovery where you become who you are as a yeah. musician. Uh, as far as like as a as far as like I I've said this, I feel comfortable saying this. One because like I started playing guitar as a church musician kind of coming off the um the I guess a, acoustic era. Sure. Like early early Matt Redman, early Chris Tomlin where Right. 
excuse me, where like this the the singer songwriter style of yeah, where worship where music, so much of, church music where this was like before it was like oh church music is just a bunch of U two covers right right uh, when it was more like church music is a bunch of like. I, I campfire songs. Yeah, they're campfire songs. So like yeah. your standard band was like acoustic guitar, maybe an electric guitar, piano, bass, drums. Like very simple. And if it was an electric guitar, it was just following what the acoustic yeah, guitar was Yeah, it, it was all acoustic guitar driven. All strumming. Very like, you know, little there was a lead there. If there was a lead, it was on keyboard. Very counting crows kind of a thing going yeah. on. Very uh, so, like Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah. Per- that's actually a perfect example. Yeah. So, so I, as like an acoustic, as like a primarily rhythm player, like I actually had like a really stable rhythm playing like really quickly. So, right. so when I first started playing with like my church's youth group, I'd only been playing guitar for like a year and year, year and a half, like something uh-huh. like that. Like I hadn't been playing very long and I started playing like with other people. I grew a lot in that time and like the year or two that I was doing that. Um, but I never really like. I feel like as far as like lead playing goes, uh huh. I don't feel like I've ever been any better than I am right now, huh? Which isn't to say that I'm particularly good at lead guitar, right. but there's definitely stuff I'm doing now that I wasn't doing like five years ago. Like, there's hmm. definitely some technique things, and like just a, coming from a comfort level, things that I'm doing that. I wasn't doing before. Yeah. I think I'm playing guitar smarter now. Like I'm more intentional. I know where I want to go. I've always been just a cluster F of notes. Like, (laughs) but I'm, I understand scales a lot better now. I understand timing a lot better now. I've never been a rhythm guy. I've always been really lead centric, but I feel like I'm a much better, I'm much better at being a band musician now where I used to be like a really like tight and fast, you know, like technique driven. Right. Like guitarist. She's like, Oh, I could do pinch harmonic every single time, every single note. Sure. Uh, and now I'm more pulled back. I'm more kind of relaxed with my playing, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think first year me would have been a lot more impressed with, like six year bass player me, right? Then he would be impressed with 17 year guitar player me, <laughs> sure, sure. But that again, that could be like situational because I think, like, I think you know, the whole idea is like, okay, if first year me had a time machine and he was just jumping into random points in the future, I think first year me would be, and may, maybe this goes back to what you're saying, like, I do think first year me would be more impressed with morning glass me, sure, than current me, but. Again, that's like musical choice and like it's about the challenge and it's about, you know, there's a lot of like stage performance factoring into yeah. that. And, you know, uh, I'm not by any means a um, reserved musician. Right. No, you're, not, um, you're out there. But certainly like there's not, not really any opportunities on a Sunday morning for me to just start punching the front like smashing my hand over my amp right. for, for like 30 straight seconds just to have the reverb crash right. and like in such brightness that everyone in the front row is like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> like I, I don't have those opportunities yeah, anymore. Yeah. You don't have the punk rock opportunities right now. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, that's like definitely that's thing that teenage you would be super stoked on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that guy's freaking nuts. Yeah. I guess like in that kind of mentality, I think, first year me would be more impressed seeing, you know, a YFB show than seeing a dinosaur ghost. Show. Right. Uh, Where you're just, just because, going, you know, just, and also just because of crowd engagement. Sure. And how many people would be in the room. Cause we play like a lot of packed youth group rooms. And right. We well, played you know, a couple, you, we played a couple packed all ages venues. Rooms yeah. And we also summer. played a couple packed like hallways in churches. Oh yeah. Well, those are always fun. We played a lot of kind yeah. of like, a lot of people were around kind of yeah. shows this because was, it was and, like it was youth culture. And to clarify, it's not like there were a lot of people there. It's just they were really small rooms. Exactly. But it felt like, packed out in the high energy. Yeah. Like and we're like, talking about putting 30 yeah. people in a 10 by 10 room. Right. We're now for like Dinosaur Ghost. I'm playing probably my most, my best executed music ever. Right. But I'm playing to bars that are half empty and most of the people aren't paying attention. 
but then I've made an album I'm really proud of. Sure. So, you know, first year me might be impressed with the album or might be impressed with how I'm playing, but they'd see the show and be like, uh, I don't, I don't want to play that show. I want to play that. <laughs> I want to play that punk rock show that you did. Yeah. You know, 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. That's <laughs> actually a really weird thought. I know we, I've been, this has been coming up a lot that all the stuff that we did, that's kind of defined a lot of our friendships or things like a, that were like, was like a decade ago. Yeah. And our marriages and stuff like that. Yeah. Like a decade ago. We, when we met all our ladies and sure. all our friends and stopped growing as people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, we've talked about what our starting rigs and stuff were, and maybe that might be another thing is like, I, I think, st- I think first year me would be blown away by how much gear I have right now. Well, yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but I still play the same acoustic guitar that I play yeah. that first year me played. Like, yeah, me too. That is my, yeah, but I'm like still playing it like in front of people. Right. I'm not playing like, it in front I've, of anyone. I've jack, I've, to- you know, cut that thing open and made it to where it's not just, yeah, like a bedroom guitar where I can actually like plug it in and and do stuff with it. So, you know, there are definitely things I'm doing now that like as a beginning guitar player, I've always so I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the things that like I wanted to do. Right. I'm just not very good, but at least <laughs> I'm doing the things I wanted to do. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting thing to like try to remember your mentality as a first year player and and just compare it to where you're at now. Oh, I mean, I started basically playing... I mean, you think about it, like, I started playing guitar, and you started playing guitar, like, effectively pre-internet. Yeah. Like, the internet existed, and there was, like, a small culture, like, if you're jumping... Even if you were... I think it was a good two years before the internet became a resource for me. I so Yeah, so I basically... Let's see, if I started playing at 14, 15, somewhere around there... Um, let's say 15, it was like 99. Uh-huh. So the internet existed. Like there were places out there, but even like in terms of like guitar culture on the internet, I don't really feel like the internet existed for guitar players until like at the longest 2007. No, I was on Harmony Central in the late 90s. Yeah, but what I mean by this is it's not like it was now. What I mean by this is everybody just like. You don't know who's blowing smoke, who's real. Right, right. Around like maybe two, and even like I say 2007, 2008, really, I don't think guitar culture on the internet came into itself until like two years ago. Really? And what I mean by that is like not even because of the internet itself, but because everyone and their mom owns a smartphone. So somebody says, Right. He says, oh, yeah, I'm so good at this thing. And all you say is prove it. Right. You got a phone. Yeah. Record, like, make prove a video it. and upload it to Facebook. It takes, make a video it takes and put, a minute. Put it on YouTube and post the link on, on the right. gear page there or whatever. There was a lot more trash talking back in the day. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, tw- again, I, I first started getting active online in, in maybe like 2000, 2001. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you just were taking people at face value and you could say whatever you wanted about yourself. When somebody says like, "Oh, I can do this and that and whatever," yeah, like you would say, oh, "Okay, cool." But in your head, like you, like you have an idea. You think you have an idea of what that means, right? Whereas, like somebody, I, somebody might say, you know, "Oh, I can play this song," and in their mind, they're playing it fine, right? But if you heard a recording of it, you're like, "That's not that song," yeah. You know, whereas now, and I'm not saying there's a big, like, there's not, I don't feel like there's a big call out culture. No, there really isn't. Uh, But it is an interesting observation. Uh, I definitely remember back in the day, people being a lot more aggressive about other people's playing and be like, oh, this person, uh, yeah, I could play circles around them. Like people trash talking that more. And you don't see that now, probably because you can Make recordings and show people what you're doing and other people can call you out. Well, and it's funny too, because I've been on groups where I've been in a, I've been in some groups where someone will say, oh, I'm like, I do this and that and whatever. And like, I have all this experience. And then in another group where that person, the person who's like bragging isn't in another group, someone will be like, I can't believe this guy's like bragging. Have you heard his recording? <laughs> and you go and listen to the guy's recordings and you're just like, oh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really want to get on this There's dog accountability pile. Now. I don't want to get in this dog pile, but this guy has a point. The difference is like nobody call like unless somebody's asking for criticism, like people can still kind of for the most part like brag as much as they want. Right. Like well, people it's not the, like people are calling people out. The internet's not anonymous anymore. And when we started out, it was anonymous. That's true. And now it's like that's you that's you. You're yeah. you're a real person out there and people can find you and people know who you are. And it's that whole like real ID sort of concept on the internet now. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it's hard to. Th- I do, I think first year me would be like, why are you playing bass? I think there would be. I think there would be that. <laughs> There'd be some confusion. There'd be some confusion <laughs> on that. Um, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I think that you make a good point with like the effects. If especially if like the first year you or me was like had enough like enough information to know like. Oh, those aren't like Dan Electro food pedals. Right. That board is like one of those pedals is worth all of the Dan Electro food pedals oh that gosh. I had. Yeah. Now, for the longest time, I had three pedals. I had a Phaser, I had a DS1, and I had the Zoom 2100. And that's all I had for a long time. Years. Right. M- many years. Right. Like probably like six or seven years. That's all I had. And I had two. I had three amps in that time. I had a. I had a fifteen watt crate. Mm-hmm. Then I had the PV Bandit, and then I got the the PV Classic Fifty. Oh, that's probably something first year me would be really confused about. Uh huh. I don't really own. Like, I mean, I've got amps, but they're all just kind of like scattered. Right. And they're all over the place. And none of them are like brands where you go like, oh yeah, that, like right. So I mean, my first amp was a crate GFX fifteen. Um, but then, uh, you know, the idea was like, oh, you always get like a bigger, better amp or whatever. Right. And basically my go-to amp for, at least in the home is like a, is a black star fly three, right, which right. is like a fifth of the size yeah. of a crate GFX 15. So, you know, first year me would be like, why, why is your amp so small? I think first year me would be confused with how often and heavily i use a princeton reverb an amp without any overdrive on it right fifth, you know first year me would be like oh, i just got to get like the the dreams for me was to get one of those amps that's got like three different gain channels oh on yeah it, you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> or to get some kind of half stack going like you know because that was the thing that was like the ideal when i was first playing is like Oh, you got to get a half stack. It's got to have a bunch of different gain channels on it, mm-hmm. and you never use the clean the clean channel. So we t- we talked about this last episode. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, we were talking about the crate cap. Yeah, right. And I actually used that when it not was not last episode. You're talking about an ads venture time. Was that an adventure time? The, yeah, the cabinet one. Maybe that was what I just listened to today. Was that was that the last like not yeah was that the last adventure time that we just recorded? No, no, I'm talking what about... What crate cab are you talking hold about? Hold on. I'm talking about the crate cab that you use. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. You're, we the, talked the, about the, that in the last Adventure... The one in, that I used with your acoustic. Yeah, okay. uh, we talked about that in Adventure Time 3. Right. I think it was 3. Yeah, sorry, Adventure Time 4. Uh, and I, we, we oh, talked, I finished my beer. Yeah, so we talked <laughs> about that crate uh, thing because there's that Marshall VS-265. Right, and so I actually played that amp when it was a crate GFX two twelve. Right. Um, and I remember this was at, this was uh, I think maybe before I had my hot rod Devi- or my hot rod deluxe. I remember using that amp and being like, "Oh man, this has three channels. This is so cool!" Like, oh, l- I've got a, a rhythm rhythm dirt channel, a lead dirt channel, and a reverb switch. Oh man, this is crazy! Yeah. And it's just like, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, yeah. Did that amp actually sound good? Because everyone on the internet says it sounds bad. <laughs> but I remember it being really cool yeah. until it stopped working. No, I loved my PV Bandit. It had what it, it had two gain channels, but you could, you could combine them for a third option. And that was like, that blew my mind. And it was so cool to me. And it had a bright channel. So I had all these like options in my amp. And now I have an amp. We're like, realistically, I'm not really even using the reverb or tremolo on it anymore. I'm using the volume, I'm using the bass knob, and I'm using the treble knob. Right. So it might as well be a three-knob amp uh, for all my home stuff. And then for live, 
I'm using the acoustic that realistically is also a three knob amp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just volume, treble, and bass. Yeah. It's like, I think, I think first year me would be really confused by that. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why don't, like, if first year me knew about like Ignators or something like that, they'd be right. like, like, oh, you got to get an Ignator. Yeah. That's the thing. Four channels. Oh my gosh. Look at that. Look at all those knobs. That's incredible. Look at all the knobs. For sure. <laughs> is it, you know, it's funny how priorities change. Yeah. Um, they're definitely like, I don't necessarily remember like any specific memories from my early playing days. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a thought process of like, oh man, one day I'm going to have a job. I'm going to get all this stuff. Right. Right. What's funny is like, even when I had a job, like when I first got a job, I yeah. never was like saving for gear a lot. I, I guess I started all, spending all my money on gas. I started doing like Craigslist stuff, I guess when I first got a job, but yeah. No, I never, like, I just always, I think my mentality when I was young is like, this stuff is unobtainable and unaffordable to me. Right. And I, you know, I had a job, but it was like paying actual bills in my life as a teenager. Sure. Uh, So it was like, I didn't have a, a a disposable income really. Right. For the most part, the way a lot of kids do. And the way I mean, you see kids buy gear online now and it's like, wow, like I couldn't yeah. have ever dreamed of doing that. I could have never dreamed of buying, you know, a $2,000 guitar or. I always wonder like how, like how that. many of those people like always existed though. And because sure, again, but the, we just the, didn't know about them. the internet wasn't the way it was. Like we just didn't know. Yeah. But it's, that changes things. Cause now you can be out there and you can see what everyone else is buying. You're like, why, yeah. why am I not buying that? Yeah. Uh, like I had no idea that people my age could go out and buy this fancy pants pants stuff that we have now. <laughs> but then, like you think about all the builders who are out now, a lot of them are are our age. Yeah, and they're making stuff that they've always wanted to make. They're exactly. Making, they're making. They're, the they're stuff filling that, in the gaps. Yeah, they're making the stuff that we could have only dreamed about owning. Right. So all that too. <laughs> I remember thinking like that. You know, this was in the again the early two thousands. I remember thinking that electroharmonic stuff was really expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the, I guess if you think about like their their bigger deal pedals. Yeah, I like mean, a, like a like the super. I think Mary like what was like even like, like the USA uh, the the Big Muff NYC. I think was like eighty or ninety bucks. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of money for a distortion pedal. Yeah. Because like you the, could go buy a DS one for yeah, you forty could get bucks. DS one for like 40, 40 bucks new. I think the SD one was like fifty bucks new. Yeah, to, even like tube screamers back then, I think were like eighty or ninety bucks. Yeah, the TS nine, or if you wanted the TS nine DX, it was like one ten. And I was just like, oh man, that's really expensive. Yeah, how am I ever going to do that? But like the Klon was a two hundred something dollar uh, overdrive pedal when it came out. Right. And they advertised it in magazines Mm -hmm. and people were like, oh, that's way too expensive. That's a joke how expensive that that is. There's there's pedals all over the place now that are more than that. Overdrive pedals, fuzz pedals all over the place or close to that. You know, it's not uncommon for fuzzer drive. It's not uncommon for uh, smaller builders to sell stuff in the like 160 to 220 range. Yeah. Like that's just where it lives. Yeah. So it's like something that was uncommon back then is super common now, and we take it kind of for granted. I sure, guess. And, I, and some of that's industry. Some of that's inflation. It's a lot of different things. Some of it's inflation. I mean, you know, yeah, ninety bucks in the early two thousands. I mean, minimum is wage maybe a little bit more back then was like four fifty. Well, and you know that's something that always comes up when people talk about like Fender Stratocaster in nineteen fifty four was like. 150 bucks 200 yeah. bucks we, there was a post about this on the group the other day i don't think we should get into a whole i love i loved that thing yeah I it was, was a great i love chart. those charts it was a great chart uh and i know you could talk about that for two hours so At that's least. why we shouldn't yeah talk no about it. i just like just the whole idea of like cash flow and like uh-huh. cash on hand versus inflation versus you know just there's these different so ideas. many different like what is inflation yeah. really um yeah, I don't I think first year me one of the things first year me would think was really cool is 
just the breadth of experiences I think sure I've had everything we've done um, because like I've always kind of I've never I've always gotten like at least a little bit of pushback of like oh music like right so, oh, the arts what a waste, from, like, your what family? A waste of time yeah yeah like um and so and in some ways like totally right because I own like way I would own like 12 instruments or something yeah and i don't have any time to play any of them and some of them i should probably i've got a couple on like a short list to sell yeah um because i just like i'm looking at them going like these are these are bottom of the barrel instruments that if i really want something with these capabilities i'm not really going to be happy unless i get something Uh higher quality than like this hundred dollar thing which makes me sad but and makes me think that maybe i should just take it back to the workbench and uh-huh. and actually do proper setup work maybe. <laughs> um, but you know, there's just things like that, like where um, I just, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like, I feel like what I'm trying to say is like, I would be impressed by like my own perseverance. Exactly. Of being like, yeah, like I started playing guitar because I wanted like, some kind of artistic outlet, but it, for the first like couple of years, it was just like kind of a thing. Even when I got my first electric guitar, it was like, Oh, well that's because like you need an acoustic guitar for when you're at home and you need an electric guitar for when you like jam with your right, friends. Right. Um, so I, I think I've like, maybe by the time I was like a second or third year player, like I was thinking about like, Oh, I really want to be in a band, but like, I don't know what to do. And like yeah. meeting people and whatever versus like being like, oh yeah, you were you were in like San Diego bands, like in the local music scene. When you factor in like the park gallery on top of it, like we were well, you're still active, but like I was active in like the local music scene for yeah, like eight years. eight nine years, bunch of years. Um, so like there's just a lot of experience yeah. there. That I think kind of cool. I think that absolutely. I think I would have been. I would be really impressed. The first year of me would be really impressed with just how many bands I've played with, how connected I've been to the music scene, what we're freaking doing right now on microphones. Yeah. Like, I think I can't, I don't think I could have ever imagined even just the, our smallest of, you know, punk rock shows we ever played. I think, you know, 14 or 15 year old me would have been like, Whoa, I'm going to get to play in a band. Yeah. Like that's How am I going to get to play in a band? Cause I was, a, you know, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. Sure. Like the thought of getting together with people and having people want to play music with me still kind of blo- <laughs> still kind of blows my mind. Like it doesn't make any sense within my nature, you know. So I maybe this whole topic has been just an excuse for us to pat ourselves it's an on ego the back. Stroke. Big old ego stroke. Somebody in the on our call for topics did say they wanted to hear like embarrassing stories from Steve, which I realize I haven't exactly provided any embarrassing stories. I feel like I need to sit but... down and think about that a long time. <laughs> but uh the, I'll, I'll I'll throw this one out there. This was an experience I had. I guess it would have been like my third year of playing uh-huh. when this happened. <laughs> That's in my third year of playing, right, right. I, I was a senior in high school. It was actually one of the the uh, my last times playing like in, in a youth group band. Right. Um. As a as a teenager. Uh huh. Um. We did. It was like the end of my senior year, and uh, we did this thing. And, and my the guy who led the worship team and myself, like we had already decided, like we were we weren't gonna stick around for the summer. Like most, usually, you know, when you're a senior and right. you're going to church, like, or like church type functions, like you don't really graduate until like the end of August. Like when you go off to college, like right. you have like your senior summer, right? right? Like that's a thing. Um, but we decided like we weren't going to do it. Like we were just done. Like we did not get along really with like our youth pastor very well. Yeah. Well, when you're so a senior, d- it's like everyone in here is younger than me and I'm I'm almost like an adult, and like, it, it wasn't like this was like deal this, this was like full on politics. This was just oh, like, okay. This was just full on like we just didn't want to deal with gotcha, gotcha with the situation okay. and everything. So we invited all of our friends, like basically anyone who knew that we were like church musicians. Right. We were like, hey, we're gonna do this last one. Like, if you've never come to, to come to youth group, right. and I guess like again, like maybe this was a, this was a bit of an ego stroke. I never really thought about it, but it's like. Oh, like if you've never seen if you've never seen me play in a band, you got to come see my, right, my right. youth group band. 
whatever. But a lot of people who had like, who had used to come to youth group who had kind of like stopped coming, like they came back. And so we did like our, you know, this is like worship set, like 2002, whatever. And after we do this, like I get down, I'm walking off like in to sit down with the, everyone and like listen to the lesson or whatever. And one of the girls that we had invited go, Oh, Steve, you're so sexy when you play the guitar. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> like, it's just like this super bizarre, like, right. you're at church. Like, you're that's not supposed not to say that at church. Like a thing that also it was like someone that was kind of like, you know, uh, we had a, as our group of friends, like we all kind of had a pin, like not so positive opinions about this sure, person. Sure. Not in like, and that has nothing to do with like. A tr- I mean, you are so sexy when you play. I, guitar, that is true. Steve. Like, just there are some psychological things going sure, on. Sure, um, a character, a character, yes, yeah. a female character. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I was just like, wait, wait, what? Um, <laughs> what oh, do I do with this? I don't even remember what I said. I think I was just like, uh, thank uh, you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. We're we're at an hour now, so we should probably wrap it thanks, up. Thanks, thanks, Blake. P- wrap up. Thanks the- for letting me know that I'm at an hour. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to stroke our ego egos too long, our egos. Right. Uh, I, you know, I think this I think, is- I, I, I think this is an interesting topic, though. If you're listening and you're on the Facebook group or want to be, jump on there and you know post your stories or what you how you would answer this. Like, what would first your you think of current yeah. new player. If you're not on Facebook and you just want to share your story with us anyway, you can shoot us an email at 60cyclehomecast at gmail.com. Uh, so, let, yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's call it done. Yep. Um, big thanks to our sponsors. Yep. Big thanks to Greer Amps. Uh, check out uh, their their Black Fuzz. It comes out the day this episode drops, it right? It does, Monday. It comes out Monday, which is today. I actually got a description of what's going on with it. Uh, so I'm going to read it right now. For the Greer Amps 18th anniversary, we have decided to do something real fun. We've reissued the pedal that started it all for us. This is the classic Greer Amps circuit based on the original pedal that Nick built back in the day. The Black Fuzz is a simple and elegant pedal. The Black Fuzz has a pretty unique sound. Imagine an overdriven basement style amp with a slight amount of fuzz tacked on top. That's the territory this guy gets into. The single knob adjusts the output volume of the pedal. This pedal's very fat and pick sensitive. By adjusting the guitar's volume control or varying the pick attack, a range of tones can be had. Dig in and this thing barks. Back off a bit on the guitar's volume control or pick lighter and a beautiful semi-clean sound can be had. Notes seem to bloom with this pedal. If you're looking for a big raunchy sound like an amp, oops, like an amp being pushed with a bit of fuzz on top, this is your pedal. We made 180 of them, 10 per year for the math whizzes in your audience. It's a one-off release. Once they're gone, they're gone. Do we have math whizzes in our audience? Uh, well, you're, you're going to listen to it, right? That's true. <laughs> uh, thanks also to uh, Ian Anderson Guitars. Absolutely. Ian Guitars. Uh, go check them out online. Search for Ian Anderson Guitars. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful Don't get stuff. them confused with the dude from Jethro Tull. No, different Ian Anderson uh, really incredible work from Ian Anderson. One time I had a really fun night after uh, the Taylor event. Yeah. I got a ride home from Ian Anderson. And I've probably told this story I like before. how you keep saying Ian Anderson. Uh, from Ian. I got a ride home from Ian from Salvage Custom. Uh, and I got to ride in his vintage uh, Dodge Charger. Right. In the middle of the night, like just screaming down the highway. And it was just a total blast off. Huge like muscle car car engine. Like I've never had like a sports car or anything like that. So it's, it was a treat for me. The brakes were completely shot. So it was just grinding metal. Wait, the, your Nissan Sentra is not a muscle car? Nope. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. It's a memory I'm always going to cherish uh, riding with Ian. And uh, he just makes incredible stuff. So go check it out. Yep. Uh, and then I'm going to play a song from the Beat Farmers. Yep. So enjoy it. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh, I hate my job, I 
worked too hard and my dog died yesterday. My son's a punk, he shoots up junk, and my sister just turned gay. I come home to a goddamn zoo, but it don't get me uptight. Cause I live at a lakeside trailer park and everything's gonna be alright. Got doctor bills and legal bills, my wife's a fat old whore. My TV's broke, my life's a joke, and a sheriff moved next door. I don't frown, don't get me down, I got something good to say. Cause I live at a lakeside trailer park and everything's gonna be okay. It's so serene, white and clean. White as a mouse. So safe in here, I can spend all year my lovely aluminum house. My button, I'm in a rut, but I earned everything that I own. From my Astro turf to my video smurf to my cordless telephone. Hey! You ask me, was it worth it all? I say yes with all my might. Cause I live on a lakeside trailer park and everything's gonna be alright. Hey! Alright! On a sunny day, hubba 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 hubba. I feel it in my bones as I have my way. Hubba 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 hubba. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, ain't it good when things are going your way? Hey hey. Yeah, my little dog Spot got hit by a car. Hubba 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 hubba. Put his guts in a box and put him in a drawer. Hubba 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 hubba. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, ain't it good when things are going your way? Hey hey. Started to laugh, hubba 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 hubba, cause I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. I'm a happy boy. happy boy. Oh, ain't it good when things are going your way? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. 